Hello, I'm Kami Yeshi Rabge, and this is the Buddhism Guide podcast. You can find more podcasts, blogs, videos, and guided meditation practices on the Buddhism Guide app. Download it for free from the Apple Store and Google Play. If you enjoy the Buddhism Guide podcast and would like to support future episodes, you can do so for as little as $2 a month. Visit patreon.com forward slash Buddhism Guide for more information. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash Buddhism Guide. This episode is called Crossing the Line of Trust, Abuse in Buddhism. This is part one of a four-part series where I'm being interviewed about my life and different aspects of Buddhism. A lot of teachers in India have spent all their lives as teachers. And uh, even you have in the Tibetan tradition young children who are recognized as reincarnations of previous teachers or enlightened beings and they're brought up in very privileged positions where they are basically told uh, as soon as they walk that they're special uh, precious ones precious enlightened beings now a lot of people question whether this is a distortion of Buddhism and whether it is actually helpful to have a culture where you have people who are told at the beginning of their life that they're special and they have qualities which allow them to understand and transmit the knowledge of the Buddha in a better way than anyone else. Perhaps you could talk a little bit about this and your, your feelings on this tradition. You know, I don't think that uh, it comes down to people being born a precious one. You know, I've been to many uh, Rinpoche's that are excellent, have done, you know, so much practice themselves and they put across the teachings so well and you know they know you know they understand the teachings and there are other room shows i've been to that have very little knowledge even though they're supposed to be a precious one i think you know look at all schools of buddhism and then see what other schools of buddhism have uh, reincarnate teachers there is no other school of buddhism only tibetan buddhism so then you'd have to ask then, why is it? Why is it that only Tibetan Buddhism have, you know, reincarnate teachers? Why doesn't any other school have that? So that's always been something that's, you know, played on my mind. As for, you know, the privilege and, uh, you know, making them feel like they're special ones and that, I feel sorry for them. They don't have a childhood. The child, as soon as these people are supposedly recognised as a reincarnation of somebody else, then their whole childhood has been taken away from them. 
they get taken away from their family, they get locked in rooms and they just have to, you know, memorise and go through all the teachings and they don't have a childhood, they just have privilege. So you can understand that if from a very early age somebody kept telling you, you are so special, or you are a very special one, you are, you are much better than anybody else, then of course as you grow up you're going to start to believe that. I mean, who wouldn't? I mean, they're, they're like playing with your mind. They're moulding your mind. Now, some people, you can see, accept that. They accept that responsibility. And then they try to use that the, the responsibility they've been given. They try to use that to help other people. Where there are other ones that uh, abuse that responsibility... And, you know, they have inner circles of girls where they abuse them and call them, oh, now you're a Dakini. And so there's ones that totally abuse that power and there's other ones that embrace that and teach, help teach people. For me, you know, the since I've become a monk and I've seen inside these inner circles and things, then I don't think it's overly helpful. I don't think it's helpful for the person to be recognised at such an, a young age. I don't think there's a need for people to keep coming back, coming back, coming back and saying this is the second of this, a third of that, the fourth of this. It all comes down to uh, power, it comes down to control, it comes down to money. You know, if you're recognised as a, a higher being, you know, a Rinpoche, then, of course, money's going to come your way. People are going to give you money. Power is going to come your way. Control is going to come your way. Now, if you, you know, abuse all that, it's not a good thing. Other ones, they don't abuse it, and they help, and the money that comes to them, they pump back either into the the monks education or into some uh, charity community work so you know I'm torn both ways because I've seen the good and the bad so I mean if you if you were to read the, the news reports and stories on the internet it seems that people in these positions of privilege and um, entitlement and power, as you say, um, more often than not, they do abuse those positions. And there's, there are many stories of um, financial abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse. You know, these stories abound, and it doesn't take much searching on the internet for, for you to come to the conclusion that, well, possibly this whole system is rotten to the core, and uh, it needs to it needs to either change radically or to 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 end now um you mentioned that there are some good teachers as well as you know the the ones we can read about performing abuses of the system um but it's not just in buddhism it's it's in in all the major religions where people put themselves up as higher than another um, whether it's a priest in a Catholic church or a cardinal in a Catholic church or a Rinpoche in the um, Tibetan tradition, um, when 
you have a situation, a dynamic, where you are higher than another person and that person supplicates to you in any way, then there's a line that they more often than not cross and go from you know, benefactor to abuser. So, um, what you know, are your feelings me, on this? You know, for me, uh, it's not anything to do with are you a cardinal or are you a rimshe. If you uh, sexually abuse somebody, then you're a sex offender. It's not you're a, a priest or you're a, a higher being. You're a sex offender and they should be treated as sex offenders. There should be no leniency for any of these uh, Rinpoche's or higher teachers that are abusing people. There should be zero tolerance on that. And there should be widespread condemnation. There should be, from the Dalai Lama down, he should be coming out and saying, I do not agree with this. This is not part of Buddhism. You are not a Rinpoche. But, you know, they close ranks. And, you know, just talking about Tibetan Buddhism, when something, recently there's been lots of uh, different names in the press and that, people close ranks. Not only does the all the higher Rinpoche's close ranks around them, but so do the students. This is the point that I find really difficult to understand that you know full well that your uh, Rinpoche is abusing, sexually abusing some people in the Sangha, or they're physically abusing people in the Sangha, then you should stand up to that. It's nothing to do with breaking some secret bond you have with the teacher. If they're breaking the law, they're breaking the law. And maybe this wasn't the law in Tibet. Fine. It wasn't the law in Tibet. That's okay. It is the law in the West. And if you are a sex offender, you should be tried as a sex offender. And there should be no hiding place. You know, they shouldn't be given, uh, you know, chance to go into retreat and let me reflect. There's nothing to reflect on. You are a sex offender. You've broken the law. They should put them in prison and let them reflect in a, a 10 foot by 5 foot cell with bars on the window. They'll give them plenty of time to meditate and reflect on their experiences. So I don't accept in any way. There's never, ever, ever an excuse to sexually or physically abuse anybody. No excuse. Not in religions, not in normal walks of life. Never. It's zero tolerance. That's a very strong stand you've taken, but I can also understand, if I don't agree with them, is the position that maybe the students take, where they've invested many years of their lives following a teacher um, and maybe benefiting from the teachings that he's given. And yes, there are bonds or vows that they take to be to formalize and make sacred their relationship with their, their guru. So, so this leads them into conflict and... You can understand from that point of view why they'd be reticent to, to out their teachers um, when but they're performing abuse. The thing is that the teacher should set boundaries. There should be clear boundaries set by the teacher. This, I'm here as a teacher. I'm here for you to learn, not for you to lean on me 
to learn from me. And there should be clear, clear boundaries set up front. I don't step over there, that line. You don't step over this line. I am not here to be your father. I am not here to be some sort of, uh, you know, father figure or some, you know, some sort of uh, authority in your life. I'm just here to teach you my experience about the Buddha Dharma. And there should be clear, there shouldn't be people coming into, you know, the Rinpoche's room to cut his toenails and to massage his shoulders and that. That's not what it's about. He's there to teach and you're there to learn. And there's boundaries that need to be set. And if there is boundaries set at the outset, then none of this will come about. So, you know, I can understand that people invest too much in their teacher because they're not seeing the teacher for the right reason. The teacher is there to help them move down the path. The teacher is not there to lift them up and carry them down the path. He's just there to teach them. So, you know, they have to be careful when you have a relationship uh, with the teacher. You have to know the boundaries. And the teacher is the one that should be setting those boundaries. He's not your best friend. He's not your daddy figure. He's not some secret lover. He is a teacher. And he's there to teach the Buddha Dharma. And so if he sets clear boundaries, nobody will come across them. So, you know... They don't want to set these boundaries, and a lot of them, because they think they are these higher beings. So they're brought up in a culture where they're basically, it's, you know, it's a medieval structure where the, the Rinpoches, the precious ones, are um, chosen from an early age to become the aristocrats uh, in a medieval culture where, as you had in medieval Europe, aristocrats had rights over the servants and serfs around them to pick and choose and do as they pleased with them. Mm. So I think it's... But we moved on. But it's fine for us to move on, but, you know, Tibet was an isolated culture and um, very much, they're very... Uh, they're not only supported by the West to preserve their culture, but by preserving their culture, they're also preserving these structures of uh, authoritarian structures which um, allow abuse to happen more times than not. If those teachers are going to the West, then they have to follow the rules in the West, the laws in the West. If they don't want to, if they want to still carry on raping the girls because they think they're higher beings, go back to Tibet. Because in the West it's not acceptable. And it will never be acceptable. So, you know, I've come to India and there's many different cultural changes from the West to India. I live in India, I teach in India. So now I follow the culture of India. I have to, because I'm in this country. If I didn't want to, I can go home. So those Rimshes, they want to go to the West, they have to follow the rules. We're not medieval in the West. You know, in their little uh, villages where the monastery was, yeah, I understand 
the family used to send their daughter to the Rinpoche to be raped. They see it as some sort of blessing. You know, and then they get money from the Rinpoche and they get jobs and whatever and they get a little bit of status just because they're sending their daughters to the Rinpoche. Okay, if that's what it was acceptable then, it's okay. That was acceptable then. It's not acceptable now. None of that behaviour is acceptable. Nobody, nobody can say, oh yeah, but he's a, a precious one. No. He's a human being and he's sexually abusing another or physically abusing another human being. It's wrong. It doesn't come down to Buddhism. It doesn't come down to religion or spirituality. It comes down to the rule of law. It's wrong. So I, I suppose a lot of the confusion in this area, particularly where sexual abuse is involved, is caused by the, you know, one major part of Tibetan Buddhism, which is um, the topic of Vajrayana, or uh, Tantric Buddhism. And in Tantric Buddhism, you can read the, um, the, you know, the, the ancient texts where they actually talk about sexual initiation and the taking of a sexual consort in order to facilitate enlightenment. And this not only is uh, a meditation technique, but it's also common knowledge amongst Tibetans nowadays that um, the, a lot of the Rinpoches take young female consorts in order to lengthen their lives. It is, it is believed that an older man sleeping with a younger woman will improve their long, their, the length of their life and their health in general. <laughs> Unless so, they have a heart attack. So, I mean, when there is a desire for blessing, enlightenment, when there's a real feeling amongst, uh, you know, in the West we, we are very competitive and there's a feeling of a desire to achieve goals and to um, overcome our low self-esteem. So when you're talking about enlightenment as the goal, then any shortcut um, seems attractive. So, and I think, you know, the topic of Tantra and the idea of sexual initiation um, just adds to the confusion and to the abuse. What are your thoughts on well, this? Well, it just plays into the hands quite nicely of the Rinpoche, doesn't it, then? Then, you know, he's got, uh, here we are, look, you want to be enlightened, come and sleep with me, I'm a dirty old man. You know, with Tantra, they don't, uh, you know, they don't really, in the West, people don't really follow the Tantric path properly. If you are going to follow the Tantric path, you have to give up everything. You can't part-time, I'm a part-time Tantric, you're not. You're either full-time or you're not doing tantric. You can't do it one hour in the evening when you come home from work and then when you finish doing your tantric, you go back and, you know, put the kids to bed and, you know, have your dinner. It's not like that. Tantric is a, is a very, very skillful means way of getting to awakening. But it can be easily, easily misunderstood. You think, oh yeah, I'm tantric, I can drink as much whiskey as I like. I can, you know, sexually abuse as many people as I like. I can smoke and I can be horrible as much as I like because, oh yeah, I'm tantric. It's not about that. It's not about giving people a license to 
you know, to be, you know, bad people. If you're going to do tantric, it's 24-7. Or it's not at all. So, another beef I have with uh, the Rinpoche is going over to the West and starting to teach these things. They were kept under lock and key. And only a certain person that's reached a certain level would ever be able to to go through these tantric practices. Now you can read about them online. Now everything's there. Now there's videos. Now you can go on YouTube and you can get the empowerment for some tantric thing just on YouTube. So, you know, I think personally that the teachers who are teaching tantric have to be very, very careful who they are teaching it to. And just really understand the Western psyche and the way the the West works. And also check the pupil. Are they stable enough to be able to understand tantric? Can they give up all their time to be tantric? It seems to me that, you know, they'll just hand it out and, oh, look at me, I'm a tantric master. Oh, I've raped somebody. Oh, I must be crazy wisdom. You know, it's not what Buddhism is about, yeah. You know, we have to go back, and that's why, for me, the way I teach is going back to the basics. Let's go, let's get right back to the basics. Let's start at the very beginning. And let's slowly, slowly work our way along the path. Let's start clearing our own mind. Let's start, you know, sorting ourselves out. Let's start realising a few things. You know, realise about your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, why you respond in a certain way, why you act a certain way. You know, start from the basics. You can't start from a tantric practice. So... You know, there's just, for me, there's just no hiding place. There's there's no excuse for sexual and physical abuse. I can't think of any excuse. Okay? They're precious ones. It's no excuse. The students give themselves over to them because they want to be enlightened. There's no excuse. There's just... But it, but it seems the whole system... Um the you know the the cultural hierarchy that exists um, within Tibetan culture, where you have uh, the 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 normal people, and then you have the aristocratic rinpoches and maybe their families, maybe their monastics. You know this this whole culture um, and the the vows that people make with these these precious ones. And the um, the reverence shown to them by the by the masses is uh, empowering them and enabling them as abusers of um, people's trust. And um, you know, it it just seems that you know you know sometimes I question whether this is even uh, a system that is is of this time or it should be just put in the past and. And see him as an historic way of life, which is not relevant to today. Yeah, I agree. It should be put in a museum, and we can all go and look at it, because there's no there's no place for it here. 
And you know, if you are a precious one, then you're not, your mind is supposed to be pure. So you wouldn't rape anybody. So that means then you're not the precious one, are you? You know, even if people are showing you reverence all the time, it doesn't mean you have to abuse them. You know, it's not nothing to do with people touching your feet or bowing down to you. It's to do with your own mind. It's their mind that want to abuse people. So the fault is with them. The fault is not, you know, with people but, but touching if, but their it, feet. But if you have a, a culture which um, chooses young children, um, you know, often before they can even walk, um, to be the precious ones, the enlightened ones, to be re revered, um, you know, from such an age, then these children will grow up actually believing that they are special. No, I agree with that. They grow up believing they are entitled, yeah. that they are the gurus. And as the guru, they have full power and they will exploit the people around them who believe that they maybe have psychic abilities, they have abilities to read minds, to know the past, the present and the future, to to give blessings and grant healings and um, to to be able to endow people with with business benefits and profits just by their their holy glance or their blessing or their you know, you know it's lovely isn't it wouldn't it be wonderful if that was true we'd all be down now kissing their feet just so we could all have lots of money and a good life life is not like that this system is out of date it doesn't work. It'll carry on because, you know, it's a family thing. It's passed down from family to family to family. It's a family business. So it will carry on for a bit longer. But I would just say to people, if you're going to look for a teacher, look very, very carefully. Don't be taken in by all the glitter and all the glamour and everything. Just look at the teacher, listen to what the teacher is saying, look at your, check your teacher, is he saying one thing and doing another? Look at the students around him. Is there a secret inner circle? If there is, be very careful, because that secret inner circle should set alarm bells going straight away. And why are all the secret inner circle only girls? Why is there no men in, there, in this inner secret circle? So... You know, it's a student's responsibility to check their teacher really, really carefully. Do a lot of study. Don't just think, oh, yeah, he's wonderful. Oh, he's a precious one. Oh, yeah. Okay, then I'm handing myself over to him. That teacher is there to teach you how you can work on your mind, how you, yourself, can work on your mind. The teacher is there just to guide you. It doesn't matter if he wears, you know, a silly costume, if he rings bells, blows horns, and has long hair and funny beards. None of this is anything to do with it. That is outside. You have to check your, your teacher inside. Do his words and his actions match? Is he saying to you, don't get attached and don't have desire and then walking out and getting in a big car and driving to a big house and watching a big television. Because, you know, their words and their actions have to match. Check really, really carefully before you hand yourself over to any teacher. 
you know, now we have the internet. Now we can do a lot of research before you actually, uh, you know, say, yes, I want you as my teacher. Be very careful. Very, very careful. So, on the one hand, we're talking about the teacher who is um, often crossing the line of trust, of um, faith that the students have in them. But, but also, I suppose, I mean, and, and I think about this quite often, is it's not just the teachers who are obviously at fault. We can't put the blame all on one side. So I often ask myself, well, is there something wrong with these students that they want to be in a, in, in a dynamic with a teacher where they are considered low, a lower being and the teacher is a higher being? So, I mean, we come from an environment where we talk a lot about equality and that, I mean, even in, within Buddhism there is teachings that all beings have Buddha nature and this seems to appeal to me and to my mind and I suppose it appeals to a lot of Westerners. It's, you know, the, the idea that the Buddha wasn't a special being. The Buddha wasn't a god. He was a normal human who through some practices and inquiry, he awoken to truths which reduced the suffering in his life. Now, when you look at the, the, you know, the, the narrative of Buddhism in that way, it seems very suited to our modern times. But, you know, we still find these dynamics where um, there's a lot of students who seem to me is that they need in fact, they not only need to have special beings around them, but they need to be on the floor as lower beings. I mean, it seems to me like some strange, you know, sadomasochistic dynamic going on mm. there, you know. And it's easy, really, to, to put the blame fully on the, the, um, the teacher. But I think also, the, you know, if you're approaching teachers, you have to examine yourself mm. and, and really inquire deeply what you're looking for yeah and that's teacher. what that's what i was saying that you know your teacher is there for you to learn not for you to lean and you should look at that do i want this teacher to learn from so i can you know sort of reduce the suffering in my life or do i want this teacher to lean on i want him to be my daddy figure or i want uh, him to take responsibility of my life I'll throw myself at his feet and then he can have full responsibility for my life. If you're going to your teacher with that feeling, then, yeah, you're putting yourself in a very, very vulnerable position and you're opening yourself up for abuse. I'm not saying it's your fault, but what I'm saying is that, you know, you're opening yourself up. We must be careful. The teacher is there to teach you the Buddha Dharma. Buddha never himself said, I'm a god. So why are these people acting like gods? Buddha never acted himself like a god. Buddha never came back. There's not Buddha Mark II, Buddha Mark III. There was one Buddha, he left his teachings. That's our great blessing. And we have those teachings to follow. The teacher is only there to teach you. Full stop. Nothing else. He's not a god. Buddha was not a god. This guy is not a god. Buddha made it clear that he cannot clear your past karma. He cannot 
sort out your mind for you. He can teach you ways that will help you sort out your mind. But you have to do it. So the teach, and I think this is a really uh, point that we have to get across. That when you're going to a teacher, you're going to him to learn from his experience. You're not going to kiss his feet. You're not going there to make him some god. You're not going to inflate his ego. None of that. You're going to a teacher to learn. That's it. The teacher will help you, will guide you, will be your mentor. That's what the teacher is for. None of this bowing down. You don't have to bow down to a teacher. If you want to show respect to your teacher, then follow his teachings. Not buy him expensive watches or the best leather shoes, or not touch his feet or throw yourself at his feet. Not that. That's not showing respect. That's being sycophantic. If you want to really show respect to your teacher, follow his teachings. There can't be a better way than showing respect to him. That's enough. You don't need to bow down and touch him and treat him like a higher being. So I think you need to, people need to be clear when they go to a teacher what they are going to the teacher for. What is this relationship? What do I expect from the teacher? What do I expect myself to act like? What is my end game? What do, what do I want from that? And there shouldn't just be one teacher. I don't agree that you have one teacher in your life. You have different teachers for different things. Maybe, you know, one teacher will teach you the basics. One teacher will teach you meditation. One will teach you Mahamudra, whatever. You don't need to just stick to one teacher. You're there to get information from that teacher. That's it, nothing else. So I think the student has to be totally clear about what they are going to the teacher for. Again, the student is then setting their boundaries. The teacher should be quite clear about what he's doing, his teaching. He should be setting his boundaries. If the student and the teacher have boundaries, then these things won't happen. If you're just throwing yourself at the teacher, then, of course, anything can happen. And if the teacher thinks that I am the chosen one, then, of course, anything can happen. A teacher is a teacher. It doesn't matter if you're teaching ABC, if you're teaching a language or you're teaching Buddhism, you're a teacher. We wouldn't expect teachers in school to to go and just sexually abuse or physically abuse all the students it would never be accepted ever and it should never be accepted in buddhism there should be zero tolerance i don't know why people are keeping quiet i don't know why they think oh no he's my teacher i made a promise oh so you turn a blind eye and you let them do whatever they want to do it's not acceptable it cannot ever be acceptable whether you've had initiations with this guy or not. If he's a criminal, he's a criminal. You're very clear that, you know, that this line of trust is crossed and that the responsibility for breaking that trust lies mainly with the, with the teacher, that they're the person in the um, position of power and authority who abuse that trust. So what's your advice to anyone who's a student who finds themselves in an environment 
where abuse is happening, um, where you see whether it's sexual abuse, uh, financial uh, exploitation or physical abuse. So, so what advice do you have for them? Report them. You know, if these people are breaking the law, then report them. Don't, you know, keep quiet or don't just run off and think, oh, I won't ever go back there again. Because, you know, if you don't start reporting them, they're just going to think they are special ones and they're just going to keep doing it. So, you know, I know it's hard and it must be really difficult if you've put a, a lot of time and a lot of effort and, you know, a lot of trust and belief into your teacher and then he starts abusing you. It must be very difficult. I can understand that. But don't shy away from it. Don't allow it to go on. Don't walk away without saying anything because other people will be also drawn into it. So you must report it. Don't see them as some higher being. Just see them as a person who's breaking the law. And that's it. And as for other teachers, you know, I would say that the good teachers far outweigh the bad teachers. You know, when we're talking about sexual abuse and physical abuse and these type of things, we're talking about uh, a small minority. But if the majority keeps quiet, then they're just as bad. Now, all the time, they're just... Uh, the teachers, the Rinpoche's in Buddhism, are just closing ranks and keeping quiet. There's nothing to keep quiet about here. There's no need for a Rinpoche to go off and do meditation and reflect. If you've broken the law, you've broken the law. And the other teachers should clearly come out and say, this is not acceptable. I'm not hearing that. I'm not reading that. I'm not seeing that anywhere. I've never read a report from uh, Dalai Lama or all the other ones where, you know, they're saying that this Rinpoche is wrong, this teacher is wrong. I've not seen that. We need to see that. It needs to be made clear that it's totally unacceptable. And for the people who are, who are being abused at the moment, then please seek help and report these people. Don't accept it. Don't think that, you know, I'm breaking some uh, special bond I have. If he's raping you or abusing you, there is no special bond. Don't kid yourself. So seek help, seek guidance, report the person. And for the other teachers, come out. Do podcasts like this. Come out and say it is not acceptable. And only then will it change. If people just keep quiet about it and just close ranks and nobody gets to hear about it, and if they do hear about it, then the Rimshe runs off into a so-called retreat to do reflection. Nothing to reflect on there. You've broken the law. So please, you know, find uh, somebody to help you if you're in this position. Seek help, seek guidance, report the person. Other teachers, please come out and say strongly that this is not Buddhism. It's not acceptable.
If you've been affected by something you've heard in this podcast, or you, or someone you know, is being abused, please seek professional help. Don't think you have to keep silent, because you don't. Your life matters.